Red Sox beat on CLNS. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for another ceremony. No, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online video and audio coverage of New England's professional sports on Twitter, at CLNS Media. Facebook is CLNS Media as well. Uh, Don't forget iTunes and Stitcher for us, as well as all the shows on the network, the free mobile podcast app as well on both iTunes and Android stores, whatever one you fickles you and you prefer. You choose one of those. We'll be on there as well. All the networks, of course, our show is at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter, Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. Big week for you, Boston Red Sox. Just Thomas, of course, Lauren Campbell. But, however, we teased it last week. Uh, people have tweeting it out, Facebooking it out. Specifically, Ben himself, who's been who's on the show with us, have been tweeting it out. Uh, ben Poplin and, uh, of course, our good friend Chris Hogan, who used to be on this very network, uh, now with 27 Outs right. Baseball. They're both here. What's going on, gentlemen? Doing well. Doing well, Jared. Good to, good to be back with you, my friend. How's it going, Scallywag? You doing well, man? Oh, Scallywag. You know, it happens all the time. Everybody who doesn't know me calls me Scallywag. It's okay. I'll forgive you. Um, it's going to happen more than one time. Just do oh, it, it's fine. You're from the South. I expect it. So, um, <laughs> 27, <laughs> ounce ba- <laughs> 27 ounce baseball, uh, mostly minor league baseball. I don't, I don't care which one of you does it, but just give us a little bit of an insight of what the network is and just what your show is as a whole as well because you guys have a specific podcast there as well. Yeah, Jared, my uh, role with 27 outs is I'm the uh, director of social media, and I do a little bit of recruitment as well. Uh, I was with CLNS Radio from 2012 to 2014 doing a little Red Sox and Patriots pre- and post-game show. So, like I said, my old roots could be back. But, yeah, this is my third year with uh, 27 outs baseball. Our network was created originally about four or five years ago by our network owner, Frank Conti. He originally started the network as a Miami Marlins uh, podcast. So, you know, Marlins prospects up and coming, but then in 2014, he changed it to 27 outs when he got the copy name right, stuff like that. So um, since then, uh, I took over his podcast with Ben back in December of last year, and uh, we have a unique advantage. Like I said, we do minor league baseball. We do a little bit of major league baseball, but mostly minor league baseball, different leagues as well. Uh, And uh, Ben, why don't you tell him a little bit about our podcast as well? Yeah, the way we formulate our podcast it's it's very non-stereotypical when it comes to all of these podcasts we get to know these players from the human element side of things we don't focus on statistics a lot we focus more on their stories their experiences getting into minor league baseball were they drafted were they not drafted how many colleges did they attend things along those lines and the show itself though works really simple we Chris and I will intro talking about whatever's going on around Major League or Minor League Baseball. For instance, it would be the All-Star Game, the All-Star Selections, and Snubs. And then we welcome our guests to the show, and we really get to know them from the ground up. Where do they grow up, how they fall in love with baseball, and you know, getting into grade school, how they start to focus on baseball, and getting drafted, non-drafted, as I alluded to earlier. And it's a really a fun time. We'll ask off-of-the-wall questions that we'll probably incorporate at some point over the next hour on this show, and 
It's just really a good laid-back conversational time. I joke that ironically we call it the interview, and it's not an interview. It's just a conversation, <laughs> much like we're having right now. All right, Ben, random question then for you. Viewers won't see it because we don't have the video element just yet, but why are you in? Why are you out to the nines with the pocket square? I was under <laughs> the impression that this was going to be on video. Thanks for calling me out. I was under <laughs> going to be on video when you think Skype. I don't know if it's just me, but I think video. Uh, video conferencing as my backdrop completely falls onto my shoulder right now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm dressed in a blazer, a shirt, and a pocket square. It's just what I do, man. And uh, I would have worn this anyway, to be honest with you. I had just, just done it. Mind That's you, he also says while well, his backdrop fell. Because yeah, he was prepared with the backdrop, which I loved, by the way. I don't, I'm not hating on you for it. I love the dedication to what you do. Um, so we love having the two of them on. Um, they're fa- they're going to be fantastic for the next hour or so, talking everything. Some Red Sox notes. Obviously, Chris knows more about the Red Sox probably than Ben does. It's a little generalization on my part there. But um, I want to start this with you guys because, you know, throughout the season, less now because they're playing better, but the Red Sox question marks were bullpen. Like, where are they going to find this help from? Things like that. Are there some minor league teams and in, in minor league players in the Red Sox system that Dombrowski didn't trade away yet that we don't know about that could help the needs in a bullpen situation, another extra starter? I know they kind of just filled some of those holes, uh, maybe another bat, things like that, that we don't know about. Because you guys cover a lot more minor league baseball than we do. We, we primarily stick to our big league teams and things like that with the all-star break and everything coming up. We're just going to focus on that. But you guys basically live and breathe minor league baseball. So... Is there a name out there that Red Sox fans can really kind of cater to to see kind of who we can help out here coming even after the All-Star break? I definitely think the bullpen is the biggest question mark. Obviously, the Red Sox had the best bullpen ERA. What is it, three and a half ERA? I still think another right-handed pitcher, you know, obviously with Tyler Thornburg out for the year, you know, I think it's probably going to come through the major league trade deadline. And in, in Pawtucket right now, I'm not seeing really much of an answer. Yes, Jamie Callahan, guys like Ty Buttry. And uh, Austin Maddox have, you know, pitched pretty well. But those are young, inexperienced guys that are just transitioning from that starter's role to the bullpen over the last year or so. So, you know, the Red Sox really are making the names in the lower tier. Like the Salem Red Sox have two guys in uh, Trevor Kelly and uh, Steve Nogasek. Uh, two guys that Nogasek was drafted last year out of Oregon. Uh, those are the guys I think in the, maybe next year could make a, make a run for the Red Sox bullpen. But... To be honest with you, I really think the Reds, the Pawtucket roster right now, nobody really stands out. Yes, Blake Swihart's down there, Henry Owens, Brian Johnson, who I think will be up pretty the Red Sox pretty soon. I think it's going to have to come through the trade deadline. So right now, I will say no. I think it's more on the position side that could probably help the Red Sox second half, you ask me. I would agree with him to piggyback off of that. I haven't really noticed any pitchers that have jumped out to me and impressed me. Again, I've only seen the Greenville Drive come through Rome once or twice. They're actually going to be here in the next couple of days. So you ask me in a couple of days, I'll have a better answer for you. But on the position side of thing, I've seen a couple of guys that stand out. Mitchell Gonzalez has been a guy who has torn the Rome Braves up. He's like 6-for-21 against the Braves alone this season. Another guy is Roldani Baldwin. And just randomly, because this is what I do, there's a guy named Ryan Scott on the team. He doesn't impress me when it comes to skill. Ryan Scott sweats more than any other human being I have ever seen in my life. First inning, the jersey is gray. Third inning, the jersey is absolutely soaked, and it's just dark gray. I've asked their media relations guy, Cameron White, does he have a disposition? Does he have some type of glandular condition? He didn't give me an answer, but he sweats so much. I can't explain it. I really cannot explain it. But Gonzalez and Roldani Baldwin, those are the two guys. Tyler Hill is another guy that really jumps out yeah. to me. 
that has had a pretty good offensive season for the Greenville Drive thus far. Ryan Scott actually has some talent, Ben. And, you know, the Red Sox got him as a senior signing last year out of Arkansas. Ryan Scott, I think, could be a fourth outfielder maybe one day. But the Greenville Drive, you know, their roster is more on the pitching side. Tyler Hill I really like maybe as a fourth outfielder someday as well. But, like I said, the Salem Red Sox and Portland Sea Dogs is really where the Red Sox prospects are right now, Jared and, and uh, Jess and Lauren. So I think the middle tier of the, that minor league depth is in that uh, high A and double A uh, position right now. Oh, I'm sure Ryan has some talent. He's got a sweat for some reason. <laughs> well, guys, let's let's switch over to well, what used to be the majors and then the minors and now nothing. Um, Alan Craig, uh, it was just released from the Paw Sox. So this guy goes from one of the best hitters in the league to the Red Sox to well to an injury to the Red Sox to being released from a minor league team. So either from a minor league perspective or a major league perspective. Could you just please shed some light, if you will? What happened to this guy? Uh, it, it's it's, stun it's very silence. yeah, stunned silence. Go ahead, Chris. It's <laughs> it's very shocking because look what he did against the Red Sox in the World Series 2013. You know that whole playoffs. He was he was 90 RBIs every year. You know me being my dad working for the Tucker Red Sox for 13 years. You know I know that organization. You know the last three years hasn't been easy. I've talked to Will Fleming, their radio broadcaster, plenty of times. He he, he praises the way Will Fle- Will uh, excuse me Alan Craig has handled the situation. We know Alan Craig has has had a ton of injuries in AAA as well. His bat speed's not what it used to be. 32 years old and what is he signed for another year at like 10 million or something for, with another option or so. So, you know, they're getting – I don't know what the future holds. Does he go to indie ball? I don't know to try to – you know, does he go to the Atlantic League to try to re- retouch his swing? I don't know. That could be an option. But like I said, he's a great guy. He's worked his tail off. But like I said, the results are not there. So it's a sad situation if you ask me. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He was really good with the Cardinals several years back. Chris just alluded to his performance against the Red Sox in the World Series. He goes to the Red Sox, and he forgets how to play baseball. I don't know what happened. He had like a fall from grace. And you really hope that this guy can turn it around because he's got the talent. He's proved that. He's a great left-handed bat. He's an even better center fielder. I just don't know what went wrong. So, unfortunately, pitchers made adjustments against him, it seems like, and he hasn't made the likely adjustments he should have. So hopefully a team does pick him up. Hopefully he doesn't go to non-affiliated ball. He belongs in affiliated ball. And I really hope that we see this guy again. You know, whether it's a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Minnesota Twins, pick him up. You know, Byron Bucks is not great when it comes to center field. Someone pick him up, you know. But I really hope we see him. I hope it's not the end of Alan Craig. I just wonder if he has, like, emotions or anything. Because, like, he never seems to, like, care about anything. Like, he was just like, yeah, I'm just trying to hit some AAA pitching. Like, he never really seemed to, like mind that he just fell off the face of the earth and nobody knows who he is anymore i don't know just it, the whole situation is just weird to me it is and uh you know he's he's not he's not a very vocal guy from from the people in Pawtucket i've talked to over the last couple of years and you know he, he goes about his business like you know guys that just you know keeps to himself and that's fine like i said he's a major league veteran you know some guys will buy the, the whole team dinner on a rehab start he's the kind of guy that just you know changes after the game and leaves and you know probably doesn't talk to the media much but like i said I think I think for him, I don't know if the minor leagues right now is a is a great situation. I think someone like the Atlantic League, where there's a lot less pressure, but there's also quality pitching he could adjust to. Maybe spend the next two months there and maybe sign a minor league deal in September or something, end of August. I think the Atlantic League would really benefit him, and just so he can get back to basic hitting and uh, stuff like that. So maybe maybe he could turn around, but I'm I'm a little skeptical at this point. 
It's a great point. Atlantic League is probably the closest you can get when it comes to independent league ball. Major League quality. That's AAA, Major League quality, former Major Leaguers, guys that are trying to break back in. So he could flourish in the Atlantic League if they decides to go that route. I mean, kind of sticking with somebody who we're not really sure what went wrong in Pablo Sandoval. Like, I mean, he's been, he was so good with the Giants, and then he comes here and just absolutely forgets how to play baseball. Um, are we going to see him at third base again? I mean, we're okay right now with Devin Marrero and maybe Brock Holt kind of doing his rehab down there too. But, I mean, what's wrong with our $95 million third baseman? I think he had too much Dunkin' Donuts. That's just me personally. <laughs> what about In-N-Out Burger? He, disco- he discovered Dunkin' Donuts is what happened. <laughs> Jared, Jared, that, that In-N-Out Burger every- left with him. So. Dunkin' Donuts sponsors every press conference. I mean, it's right there plastered on the wall every time they're talking. So just, and, I, Ben, if you I, lived I, up here, you'd understand why. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I get it. I but, like Donuts. The biggest thing with him is, you know, it's obviously been his weight. And we know, you know, a lot of media guys have, have criticized him for that. And, you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, he, he was always a good playoff performer with the Giants and stuff like that. Big power hitter, but, you know, decent average, 280, 275 every year. Played decent defense. But, you know, I don't know if it's that, you know, him winning a couple World Series with the Giants, his, his mentality kind of changed. You get the big contract. We saw Hanley struggle in his first year with the Red Sox. He obviously bounced back and had a torrid second half last year. So there's a tale of two tapes in that regard. But do I think he played his last game with the Red Sox? Maybe not. But at the, at the end of the season, they have to trade, you know, maybe trade him for an ugly contract. You know, I don't know what it is at this point. You trade him for like a Matt Cain type of bad contract to the back to the Giants or stuff <laughs> like that. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Johnny Peralta is bad as looking pretty good this past week in Pawtucket. He had a couple home runs. Maybe he could be the option, but he struggled a lot with in- inconsistency at the plate this year with the Cardinals. But I, I don't think Devin Brewer or Brock Holt's really the answer, if you ask me. They need to go out in- externally, I think, going forward. What about a Todd Frazier for the rest of the year just to help, you know, with, Ooh, with the bat? Yes, he's going to strike out a lot. He's going to hit 180, and but he's going to play good defense and hit your home run. So, you know, do you? I don't want to mess with a Michael Chavis or like a Sean Anderson, Mike Schwarren to trade for a Todd Frazier as a rental. But if they can get two two C plus prospects, if the if the White Sox are willing to budge, why not go for it? But uh, externally, long term, it's going to be the external route. I mean, let's be real. Pablo Sandoval is not worth the ninety five million the Red Sox are paying him. Not anymore. He's not the World Series MVP of the San Francisco Giants. I like the Todd Frazier comparison there, and I like that. He likes to go the opposite field as well. So, I mean, he's going to have child's play. With, when it comes to Fenway, he'll come down the right field line, Pesky's pole. He'll go right off of the green monster. Todd Frazier would be excellent. The Red Sox can afford him, too. Marrero, I do like Michael Chavis. I had the chance to see him a few years ago. I like what he has. I like what he brings to the table. He's a top 30 prospect in the Red Sox organization as well. I don't know if he's ready yet, but they do definitely need a third baseman. That's definitely a weakness to piggyback off of what Chris said. Well, I, I take it back. Mike Raphael Devers obviously is the is the hitting machine right now. My bad. Me knowing the Red Sox system, I should have came up with him. But my, he's he's hit like five home runs over the last week. He just tore up the t- Hartford Yard Goats this past weekend. The Red Sox fans want him in Fenway by the end of September, just like Tim Tebow with the Mets fans. It's not going to happen. Maybe he reaches Pawtucket next month, possibly early August, but. I think twenty middle of 2018, you could see Devers. But I think Devers is that 30 home run guy. He's probably one of the best polished offensive players I've seen in the minors in a long time. Let's get to the good stuff now, guys. Um, David Price. 
I know you guys. You guys like uh, getting to know people and like getting to know their personalities and whatnot, as you as you said earlier in the show here. So you have a guy like David Price. Obviously, you brought him here to be your ace. Didn't happen quite how he wanted it to. And then obviously now he just likes to confront the media about every two and a half, three weeks, and get into a big shouting match with them and start laying f bombs. I don't know exactly what he did with Eck, but something along those lines. And so basically, I want to know from you guys. Is this a personality problem? Do we not know him yet? Uh, he talks about, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I, they just want like you to pitch well. But like, if you have a good personality, Boston fans like you too. So it's like, where is David Price's head? Are we supposed to get to know, to know him better? Or does he just hate it so much here that he just can't wait to walk out that door? We, ha- we know him by this point. He's been in the league over 10 years. We know him. He's been on three different teams. He was a success with the Tampa Bay Rays. Devil Rays even, you know, traded to Toronto. They give him a giant bag of popcorn, and he loves the media. So I don't know if you guys should give him a year-long membership to Dunkin' Donuts or something, but I don't know what his problem is with the media. What did they do to piss him off so much and bleep this, bleep this, bleep this? I don't know what they did. He needs to get his act together, though, because being a part of a media press conference talking to the media, that's part of the contract you sign every year. And he's not living up to the hype when it comes to pitching. Either he's not earning the contract and he's got to stay healthy. But I don't know what his problem is with the media. This is twice this year alone that I've read about that he has really lashed out at the media. And Boston media can be very tough to deal with. But I mean, he's a major league baseball player. He's dealt with it before. Suck it up, play the but game. I, but right. I think also too, like, has he really been confronted? I, I always look at it as other markets. You've never really been confronted before because he's been postered as that child, and it's really like. Toronto's been the biggest market he's played in that's really cared about baseball, and that was just recently because they got good. Like, no one cares now because they're not good anymore for some reason. But he hasn't really been confronted until he got here, and then all of a sudden he just got swallowed whole because that's what most media members up here do. If you're a media member, Jared, how do you confront him? How do I confront him? I I don't even know. I I just feel like, I mean, it kind of along to what people are saying, like... you have to handle it professionally, but I think if you're a media member talking to David Price, you have to come across in a way and saying, do you understand why people actually don't like what you're saying? Like, do you understand what you're doing? Because basically, and if you're a media member, you say it at this point, because Eckersley clearly did, you know, it's, you're doing it to yourself. You're the one causing the problems. You're the one making people come down on you. And if you're in that kind of conversation, you don't stop at that point. And that's what Eckersley, I applaud Eck for what he did because no one else will do it and they're not going to fire Eck because then God knows what will happen around here. This yeah, time I, I, the reputation of Barry. Too, but, well, I'm sorry, Lauren. Go ahead. I, was like, I applaud Eck too, but when you're someone like David Price, you shouldn't have to be coddled and babied. Like you're you're 30, 31 years old, and you're you're a big league pitcher. Like and like no one's confronting him. They're just they're either defending him or they're like stating what he obviously did wrong. And then you're going to come out and you're going to pull media members aside. You're going to just lose your mind on people. It's just not a good look. Like I, I don't understand what's going through his, his little brain. The biggest thing I see is, is a couple of issues back in March and stuff. A lot of the Red Sox media members, Peter Abraham, you know, guys like Tony Maserati. I don't, you know, it's okay to call them members, but you know, they, they were asking him, they were pressuring him, when are you going to be ready? When are you going to be ready for the season? He's like, I don't know. I may not be ready for the whole season. He was pressured. But we know, you know, Boston's a, a staple for pressure, interview, stuff like that. He's not. He hasn't been fully healthy. He's, yes, he's making $30 million a year. He's, he's had a whirlwind of – it's been a loss year for him. And his first year in Boston was as bad. 3.99 ERA. I don't – like I said, he got a ton of run support. I thought he was a lot better than what he was. 
You know, will he opt out after next year? I don't know. But what's his value going to be if he opts out? So, you know, I think I, I still don't think he's going to last the full year, you know, in a Red Sox uniform in terms of pitching. I think he's probably going to be shut down towards the end of August. That's why a Pomerant stepping up is big. But the Red Sox still need another starter. So I don't I don't it's been a lost season for him. Let let him just, you know, wipe the clean slate, have him have a fresh offseason. And maybe his third year in Boston will be a little bit better. But it's been a lost year for him. The Red Sox are playing well. They don't need that negativity come after the trade dine and into the postseason. So let's see what happens going forward. Really quickly, though, you look at this media reputation that is tarnishing his good boy image. Who's going to take him now? He's going to have to deal with this for the rest of his career if he continues these type of confrontational lashing out at media, especially with the expletives. That's not the David Price we got to know from Vanderbilt growing up, first rounder. That's not the David Price that we got to know. Yeah, no, and I I think that overall – he, the media kill has killed him. And I, I've seen articles written about this. You see, him, you see it more up here in the circulation up here and anywhere else. But it's just media. Media has kind of killed it, as well as media's fueled Hanley. So you know, media can be good and bad depending on the way you take it. Um, what do you guys think of the Hanley situation? I, was, I want to ask you that because Hanley's been all over the country now, playing for major league teams, um, good and bad. You know. Last year, we thought maybe, okay, maybe Hanley finally just really wanted to play in Boston. That, that was my belief. You know, he finally came home. He did well. But then Ortiz left. And now, crap, has gone, shot the bed again. And who knows what's going on with him. But then this media frenzy happens. They call him out for hitting against like sub 100 against lefties. And now he's playing well again. So what's going on with Hanley, in your opinion, even coming from outside of the Boston market? He needed a wake-up call. That's the biggest thing. Like I said, he didn't hit, what, a 15 to 20 home runs in the second half or nothing last year. Yes, David Ortiz had a nice influence. You know, Mitch Moreland's power hasn't been there, so he can't really, you know, piggyback off of uh, Moreland as well as support. You know, yes, they have a nice lineup right now, but he needed that wake-up call, and I think it came at the right time. Obviously, like I said, he tore up Toronto this past weekend. He's, you know, hitting pretty well as we go into the All-Star Big. Will he hit another 15 home runs for the rest of the season? Maybe, but... Like I said, the Red Sox need these wake-up calls, and they're, obviously they're producing. They're overtaking the Yankees right now. Uh, he's he's had some stretches where he's finally he's finally healthy, so I think that helps as well. So let's hope he just piggybacks off of it and continues to hit well. And I think it was the right time and the right call for the media to do that. He's got the skill. We've seen that for three different teams, and he's a physical specimen. I mean, the dude is just jacked. He's a freak. So he's, yeah, he's a freak of nature. So he's a perfect designated hitter if he gets his act together and continues to flourish and produce consistently. I hope to piggyback what Chris said. He he does pick it up, hits those 15, 20 home runs, and helps the Red Sox out in the inevitable postseason berth they're going to have here in the next couple of months. I like him, Ramirez. He's a very clubhouse-centric, fun-loving, joking type of guy. If you watched the intentional talk, he and I believe it was Jackie Bradley Jr., they were flexing on camera and they were wearing shirts, making fun of each other. That's the type of atmosphere you need. You need the old chicken and beer in the bullpen, Red Sox, a couple of years ago, cowboy up. Don't go that far back. Don't go that far back. Come on now. No. years old the other day, by the way. That was amazing. <laughs> St. Paul Saints, that was amazing. But getting back to Hanley, I like him. I think he's not done. He's got plenty of time, and uh, I feel like he turns it around again and gets his head right and 15, 20 home runs. I don't know, Chris, but I think he's going to play a key role, though, down the stretch for the Red Sox. Yeah, I love yeah. watching Hanley. I love Hanley's personality, and I said it last year. You know, He has all the fun when he plays baseball with the right people. Last year, I remember it was a rain delay, and he was doing like jumping jacks. Yep. Just like in, just in the middle of rainbow with his shirt off, and he was just doing jumping jacks on the camera, and like you know you don't always see that from him. And 
he's trying to be Manny. He, I can you can see it. You know, he's trying to be Manny, and I'm okay with everything he's doing if he just starts to produce, and he's starting to, which is good. So now it's just a matter of if that clubhouse can kind of bring it back in and keep the pressure on him. I think it would be good for him. But um, Ben, I want to ask you how if you were the the media member. I don't remember who it was who went back and forth with him about his kind of percentages against lefties and went back and forth and he questioned himself and how would you have handled that any differently if you would have? Mm, that's a tough situation though because you're a media member you're not on the field every day you're not the guy who has played the sports like Henley has so it's a delicate delicate situation you have to approach I don't know on a grain of salt because Henley Ramirez could one flip you over like a twig so be very careful when you're in these type of questions and, you know, ask him politely, what do you think it is? What do you think it is that has made you struggle against left-handed pitching? Why have you not made the adjustments? Who have you been working with? And um, that's honestly how I would do it. And then I'd let him take the reins and then bounce off of what he has to say because he's the ball player. I'm the media, remember. You know, there's there's a fine line, and you can't cross that line. You can't question him too much. Yes, he struggled against left-handed pitching, but, you know, just let the guy talk, see what he says, bounce off of it, and see what he's going to do to produce against left-handed pitching. How is he going to fix this? How is he going to continue to produce against southpaws? Because it's something he struggled against. How is he going to change it? When are we going to see a difference? Mm-hmm. You know, don't pressure him, but, you know, approach it delicately again. Jared, I'm, I kind of think, I kind of take the situation a little bit like how the Red Sox dealt with Carl Everett back in the day. Probably, old school name, I know, from early love it. I love but, it. Love it. I mean, I think the comparison, not really. It's more, It was more of his... Carl Everett's attitude that was the problem rather than the skill because his 2000 season with the Red Sox was very good. Then obviously with Jimmy Williams and Joe Kerrigan, it it dipped off. And then he was out of town by, what, 2003 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Red Sox have handled internally those kind of situations very good. And like I said, I know John Farrell's been questioned as a player's manager, stuff like that. He's had a lot of hardship. But, you know, I think the Red Sox, guys like Dustin Pedroia and uh, his leadership has really taken over. So I'm not really too worried about the Red Sox internally having a you know the chicken and beer incident again or any Carl Everett incidents like that. So I think those days are behind them. I guess it's just the thing with me with, with both these guys, with, with Price and Hanley, is just like they claim to be good teammates. You know, Price is like, I'm a good teammate, and all the fans are like, oh, the, or all, the, all his teammates are saying, yeah, David's a good teammate. And same thing with Hanley, like, oh, he's a great guy. He's really fun to be around and stuff. But then they keep causing these problems in the clubhouse. You know, Hanley's going back and forth with a media member, and he needs, like, a slap in the face to remember how to play baseball, and Price needs to go at it with someone every three weeks. Aren't those distractions to your team? Like, these guys are supposed to be good teammates and some of your leaders in your team. Instead, they're doing exactly the opposite, and distracting everyone like isn't that a detriment to the team it is a detriment i feel like it is a distraction look at miguel montero one day after he bashes jake arietta for trey turner stolen bases he's released i hope the red sox don't go that route with henley and david price because they owe them a lot of money but i don't know why this continues to be a problem when did players get so brave to approach the media and lash out them we didn't see this a couple of years ago and if we did it was hush hush it was under the books I don't know. I don't know. That's a very good question, though. Jeff? Biggest biggest thing I see is, you know, compared to Corey Dillon and Rodney Harrison days with the Patriots, two troubled guys. But, you know, the Red Sox knew Hanley had some, uh, and Price had some character issues before. And like I said, I kind of compare it to the Corey Dillon, Rodney Harrison. But obviously with Bill Belichick, he handled it very good. And, you know, the, clo- the this the Boston culture. You see with, you know, Claude Julian, the past uh, Brad Stevens, uh, you know, Doc Rivers. It's, I think it's just a Boston cultural thing. They can overcome hurdles like that with character issues. 
You've never seen a guy going ridden out of town. Maybe Carl Everett, but besides him, I think the the Boston community's you know sticking by these guys, and it's just it's just a community thing. I think overall, more impressive beer: Julian Edelman or Mike Napoli when he was a Red Sox. Mike Napoli, hands down. Yeah. yeah what about Mike Mike Napoli? Mike Napoli when he was a Red Sox. Ooh. No, Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli. See, I say Johnny David. Yeah. John David wasn't a beard guy. Mike always Mike Napoli's always been a beard guy. So this is true. Johnny David did shave his off as soon as he went to the Yankees. Whereas Mike Napoli, Mike Napoli wouldn't have gone to the Yankees because he would have had to shave his beard. Big difference. (laughs) 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 Um, So of course, talking Ben Poplin, Chris Hogan here, twenty-seven outs baseball. So I know you guys want to talk about it. I really want to talk about it with you guys because the the mania in the Mets farm system is going on. It's it's Team Tebow time in the Mets farm system and. I, before we even start talking about this too, I, I was curious about you know why the Mets brought this up, what they were doing with Tim Tebow. He's been playing okay, but they keep promoting him. Now I want one really what what's it like covering Tim Tebow playing baseball? But like also two in the same light, what do you guys make of the Mets basically telling us all, yeah, we knew he didn't, couldn't play baseball. We signed him because he's marketing ploy, and you know the guy who actually signed him didn't want to be his name put out, so we put the marketing director's name under Tebow's name in the book, and it's just like. There's a lot going on since the Mets actually explained why Tim Tebow's in their farm system. Jared, before we begin this, you're going to see a, a tale of two tates with our answer. So just be prepared because I have my feelings. And he, this is where we disagree a lot on our show. So we've we both seen him. we both interviewed him. Okay. I have not. I, I've not talked to oh, him. Oh, yeah. You've been, you, you've been part of the uh, you know media roundtable. But um, – I see it more as a positive. Yes, yes, he's hit 220. He's had seven errors in 63 games with the Columbia Fireflies in the uh, South Atlantic League. But, you know, yes, it's a PR thing. Mets fans want him pinch hitting at City Field in September. That's not going to happen. Oh, I think it's going to happen. (laughs) Maybe. Here's here's the only scenario I heard from, you know, uh, what is it, Mets Mesmerized or one of those Amazing Avenue writers. They said if he continues, what is it, through through August, I believe early August, they they promote him, they skip him through double-A, and bring him up to Las Vegas with the 51s for about two to three weeks. By, September, by Labor Day, he'll get called up. That could Maybe if he skips double-A, but the biggest thing I've seen is, yes, he's had merchandise sales. Yes, he's, you know, crowds of, you know, stadiums that usually get 500 fans. They're getting 3,000 and selling out every home game. But the biggest thing I've seen from him is his leadership skills. And, yes, that may be overrated, if you ask me, but the teams that he's been on has, has, have won, obviously. The St. Lucie Mets had 11-run eighth inning the other night against the uh, in the Florida State League, and I think yes, it's nice for the game. But my biggest question is: this going to be a one one hit wonder for him, or is he going to try to do this for the next three four years and try to be a, a serviceable outfielder? My my biggest thing is how long can he do this for? I think he, it's a great story. It's the human element stories you love covering, but I have some doubts if he could do this for a three to four year process. And then Ben, I know you'll agree with me on that. I do agree with you on that. It's one of the few things I do agree with you on when it comes to Tim Tebow. He's nearly 30 years old. How long can he stick with this? His body, yeah, he's in a physical shape, best shape of his life, he'll tell you. But he can't play baseball that well. I mean, I get that he's doing okay with the St. Lucie Mets right now. He did okay with the Columbia Fireflies. But come on. It's a circus act in Major League Baseball and in Minor League Baseball right now. They promoted him to put more butts in seats. Is that a reason to promote somebody? No. It's cheap, to be honest with you. Sandy Alderson, the general manager of the New York Mets, everyone that was involved, why promote this guy? Come on. He didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. He hit 220 in the South Atlantic League, which is low A, at 29 years of age. 
He goes deep in his second game in the member of the St. Louis Mets. That's fine. He did the same thing with the Columbia Fireflies. It's all a PR move, and in my opinion, it's a black eye for minor league baseball because it's not genuine. It's not true. It's not pure. He didn't earn his promotion, and I really just don't like how they went about it. I don't like Sandy Alderson's comments after he was promoted because the media, as they should have, asked, why did you promote this guy? Why didn't you promote a guy like uh, Dash Winningham, who was the one-for-two double MVP in the South Atlantic League? Promote him. No. Tim Tebow didn't earn it. I'm not a fan of it. You know, I used to say that I want him to succeed, but honestly now, I just hope this story is like a contract that burns and goes into the trash and you never hear about it again. I'm so tired of hearing about it because everything he'll do, diving catch or leaping catch at the wall, you're going to hear about it, and I'm just uh, honestly... I just roll my eyes every time I hear the name Tim Tebow now. That's just that's me. I'm more a lot positive, like I said, to piggyback. I, I like the story, like I said. You don't hear I mean, this is he's I think he's a better baseball player than when Michael Jordan was playing for the Birmingham Barons back in ninety four. I guess the that's the best way to put it. At least Tim Tebow can hit a home run and Michael Jordan could. Okay, so. well Chris Hogan just said Tim Tebow's better than Michael Jordan. So that being that's said, the headline. That is that's that's where we're that's how we're promoting the show. Tim Tebow is better than Michael Jordan at everything at life, really. Um, so, hearted question, not Tim Tebow related. You're welcome, Ben. Um, before we let you go, just favorite thing about living down south. A lot of us don't know anything about down there. You know, I know Chris, you've lived in both places, and you're generalizing both places. But favorite thing <laughs> about living down south, basically below, below the Carolinas. Ben, you go first. I'm born and raised here, so I really don't know much different. But I'd have to say the food. And the Southern Hospitality, uh, both of those. The food is great. Honestly, we will dip anything in batter and fry it, and it is delicious. That's what we do in the South. And also, everyone's kind to each other. As Chris was alluding to before we went on the air, I'm going to talk to anyone. I'll make friends anywhere I go. That's just the way you do it in the South. You hold the door for someone, they're going to say, thank you, sir. In New York, they're going to scream at you, or they'll give you an ugly look. (laughs) So, you know, that's a generalization on my part, but it's true. And I just really enjoy it. You know, I would love to experience the North. I would love to experience the West and get out there more throughout the U.S. I've been to the North one time. I have been to Boston once. I walked around Fenway outside of the stadium. Didn't get inside. It was the winter. But that was just glorious to walk around there. Funny story, when I got off of the D train, is that what you guys call it, the D train, when it lets off at TD Garden? Is that the D train? G train? Which is it? T. T? That's one of those letters, sure. (laughs) Um, So you get out street and i was wearing uh a hat it was a braves hat it was a navy hat and i was covering up like the a not on purpose but i was wearing a hoodie because it was really cold and you guys as we know like hoodies so you're covering up the a and um this random boston guy comes up to me and starts to kind of berate me saying that better not be a yankees hat i was like no it's an atlanta braves hat and then he's like oh tom glavin he's from massachusetts so we made up we we became friends instantly but uh, you know, it was it was hostile to get off at first. I really liked it, though. I really liked Boston. I really liked the South. I like them both. Food, I'm a really big fan of, though. Really big fan. Fry anything. I'll eat it. Jared, for me, I can make a documentary on how much. And Ben knows I could probably make an hour-long documentary about the South. I, I start to tell people I was born in the wrong region, but I don't like that because I, I still love my Boston teams, my Boston you know, championship, stuff like that. We can brag we have 11 since 2001. You know, no other team could do that. But for me, uh, end of 2013, I moved down here. It was a life decision. Like I said, I was tired of the cold and stuff like that. You know, uh, it was a number of reasons. But like I said, it was a life change for me. 
the biggest thing is probably the food. You know, I've probably gained about 30 pounds since I've been down here, but I probably, you know, lost in about a year since I changed my lifestyle. I still eat bad, but I try to eat healthy as well. But, you know, as I like to say, the Waffle House and the cookout uh, is the two biggest staples for me. But the southern hospitality, for sure. You guys, uh, you know, are walking the sh- on the street. You know, you're going to have your kind grandma say, hey, how you doing? You know, you're going to have the random people come up to you say, hey, how you doing? And the weather's obviously better. Ten out of twelve months of the year, it's warm here. Stuff like that. You can see baseball year round. Stuff like that. You know, they're not into hockey down here, unfortunately. So that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> so, that's why the Thrashers left years ago. But uh, not a hockey like I said, town. I, not a hockey region. I'm pro- I like visiting. I love visiting my family up. You know, a couple times a year. But I, I say I'm going to be probably be down here for a while. I don't see myself coming back to Boston anytime soon. All right, so I'm going to throw a low dig at Ben before I let him go. Um, because you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'm going to sincerely apologize for what Tom Brady did to you and your fandom. Um, give it, get, Just promote your show. Where can we find you guys on Twitter? Um, I know we're going to probably hop on with you guys at some point as well, do this like, cross-promotion thing going on. But just where can we find your work? And obviously you're doing good stuff with 27 Ounce. Just quick promo, self-promo. Yeah, well, absolutely have you guys on. It'll be a lot of fun. Appreciate the dig, 25 points. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Tom Brady. He's already got five rings. 20... Let's, let's get someone else a chance please <laughs> give someone else. take your uggs take your model wife and just go just go to your own island we know you can afford it and just give someone else a chance okay we get it you're good you're tom brady but no he's 40 years old and he wants to continue to play until he's 50 sure we're never gonna get rid of him uh but you can find the show you can find the show on soundcloud that is chris hogan or myself 27 outs you can search him we're 57 episodes in right now having a good time oh. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ben Poplin, Facebook and Instagram as well. And Chris, I'll let you plug yourself, bud. At, at Chris Hogan, double underscore. I'm somewhat uh, had some. Uh, excuse me. The Twitter. The, a lot of people confuse me with the uh, Patriots receiver. I'm sorry because our Twitter handles are similar. And yes, I've gotten that a lot down here, guys. So you know that's Run a with it. challenge. Run with it. But uh, at Chris Hogan, double underscore on Twitter. Instagram is underscore Chris Hogan underscore. Uh, you can find at 27 underscore outs baseball on Twitter at 27 outs on Instagram. No underscore there. Uh, 27 outs baseball.com. Facebook, just search 27 outs baseball. Uh, this week, we're going to have uh, Nick Shaw. He's a former Brewers uh, minor league infielder. And uh, we'll also have a, another prospect writer we're going to upload as well towards the middle of the week. His name is Chris Blessing from eight, Baseball HQ. He'll give us a perspective on what it's like to cover the Futures game, which he's covering. And we'll have some Twins, Braves, and Mets prospect talk as well on that podcast. Love it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. It's awesome. Um, pocket squares for days in favor of Ben Poplin. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon, and uh, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be talking to you real soon. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure, guys. Always Thanks, Thanks, guys. All right. Big shout to them. Five's a crowd, but I enjoyed it. And this is the first time, I will say it, this is the first time. That we recorded, we didn't actually record the video. Sorry, Nick Gelso. Uh, but the audio yeah. was great. It actually synced up a lot better with the video. It was nice to see everybody, and that's the only reason why I knew he was wearing a pocket square. Because uh, being said, yeah, something something to be said for seeing people and knowing they're going to talk. That's for sure. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Uh, that whole first segment. Um, and the boys themselves were brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Give a $20 re- uh, rebate on your first ter- ticket, of course, by visiting SeatGeek app. Your first ticket purchase on your phone, go to that little settings tab, enter the promo code, enter garden report, all one word. Let them know who sent you. Of course, that's us here at CLNS Media. 
big shout out to them again. You'll you'll be hearing us on their their show as well. We want to do a little cross thing, which is working pretty well so far. Um, do we want to do a recap, ladies and gents? We've got about twenty minutes or so left in the show. Jess, you want to do a recap? I mean, it was such a good week. I feel like it would be cruel not to. Okay, let's do a recap, and then maybe <laughs> maybe we'll. Uh, it was a very good week. Uh, got a lot with them. Uh, obviously, very happy they came on. Let's do the recap. We'll do some predictions. Maybe fly through other things if we have time, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was a great week. Uh, six in one week. Uh, Jared predicted it. Uh, not he didn't predict each series right, but he predicted the entire thing right, which was just fantastic. Good for I'll you, take Jared. It. And, I'll take it. And I and I'm <laughs> never gonna. I'm never gonna pick a bad week ever again i did, I mean four and three is not bad but it's it's not six and one so by the way the red sox just won right now good for them all right um back to monday uh red sox won four to one in this game just another chris sale masterpiece he was uh dominant as usual didn't last as much as he usually did six and a third innings nine strikeouts four hits one run and um two walks which is not normal for him on the other side jose berrios uh he had four runs six in the third innings which was not what he used to do because he was seven and one with a really good era coming into the game not so good in this one uh the Sox jumped up two nothing in the first inning mitch moreland home run was the highlight and the Sox got two more runs in the seventh inning to make it four to one so i mean this game was pretty much just your classic chris sale starts craig kimbrell closes you get enough runs to win and that's how you do it. Yeah, no, it's been it, Chris Sale, man, is just been lights out pretty much at this point, guys. Every time I watch him pitch, every time he's slated to start for the Red Sox, I expect him to win at this point. As long as he gets at least one run of run support, I expect this guy to win because that's how well he's been pitching. And this game was none other than just case in point of that. Yeah, I mean, every time he's on the mound, I I expect to win and. Whether it's seven strikeouts or twelve strikeouts, I I don't expect anything less, and I think we're just spoiled by him. But at the same time, we have an actual ace on the mound, and that's something we haven't had in a few years. And you see, you guys see that article that he's he has not agreed with the catcher on one pitch of the last like six years. That's amazing. That's so much he, trust in your catcher. He never calls the catcher off. Like no mm-hmm. wonder he pitches so quickly. Yeah, he just kind of gets the sign and goes for it. And, I mean, no you know, shock here. He, he's, he's pitching well. He pitches at a good speed, and that's a great example of why. It's, he wants me to throw a fastball? Great. He wants me to throw a curveball? Awesome. He wants to throw whatever. It's, I'm just going to throw it to the best of my ability. Instead of not trusting his catcher, he's worried about his throwing motion. He's worried about just throwing the ball and making the best pitch possible. So in, instead of them trying to figure out, like, pace of playing the game just stop shaking off your catcher like just make that illegal because chris sales clearly figured it out because he pitches two and a half hour games every time my so, god like shouldn't shouldn't people take notes and just never call like just trust your catcher right nah he's he's doing he's doing well he pitches gets double <laughs> strikeouts now nah, i don't want to follow after that right he's like he's done his whole career with several different catchers like just trust them that's what i say i mean it's, it's ridiculous and it's the other thing about sale that i love is that he gets an 0-2 count, he just goes right after you. You know, David Price gets an 0-2 count. All right, I'm going to throw one in the dirt. I'm going to throw one high above his head. I'm going to throw one way outside. Like he picks and picks and picks and picks, and all of a sudden it's 3-2, and then you're wondering if he's going to walk him or what he's going to do. Sale just goes right after them. Like, take some some notes, David. Like, why do you have to waste five <laughs> pitches before you get him out? Instead, you could just do it in three. Like, it, I don't get that. Why do you have to pick so bad, you know? Because he's a diva. 
right? This is true. Very big of a diva. Um, but yeah, no, this game was is just Chris Sale masterpiece over and over again. It's what we're getting comfortable with. It's why he's in the All-Star game and probably going to win the Cy Young if you keep this pace up. Well, yeah, I mean, he's on pace for 332 strikeouts, which has only happened five times in Major League history. If he gets that, I'm just making a little small prediction he might get Cy Young. Not bold, Maybe. though. Just small. small. Not bold. <laughs> no, that's not bold at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this brings us into Tuesday's game. This was a great one. 9-2 victory by Pomerantz. Nice offensive outing and pitching. Uh, Ten hits for the Red Sox. Eight for the Twins, but not enough, clearly. And definitely not enough runs. Uh, the Sox got out early and often in this one. Christian Vasquez hit his first home run of the season. A two-run job to left center. It was actually his first home run in over a year. His last one was... May 1st, 2016. And if I remember correctly, Lauren, we were at that game working it. Yeah, we were working it. So we witnessed this as a, his last home run before this one. So that was kind of cool. But it was finally finally good to see him do something worthwhile. Yeah, offense is nice from your catcher very occasionally. I mean, his average is good, but you got to get that power. So he got that power, 2 nothing lead. And then, uh, then the rains came. The rains came multiple times in this game. The first rain happened when... The game hadn't started yet. It started at 8 o'clock. Then they played two innings. Vasquez did his home run. And then there's another rain delay, hour and 16 minutes. And then finally we're like, all right, we can play some baseball at 10 o'clock. And they did. And it was good. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. made it 3 nothing in the third. And then a couple more runs in the fourth. Finally, the Twins got on the board in the fifth with a run. But didn't matter because the Sox got it right back in the fifth. And then in the sixth, Chris Young had a three-run homer blast to left field into the monster to make a 9-1. to That was certainly all the Red Sox needed. Uh, this game was nice. I mean, Pedroia had three hits, Bogarts had two, Vasquez got his homer, and Drew Pomerantz, five innings, four hits, one run, no earned, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Really solid game, and really what I was impressed with in this game was that he came back out after the second rain delay and pitched three more innings. You don't see that often, and especially not with Someone like Pomerantz, who has like arm trouble, I would totally would have expected him to come out of after two innings, like Hector Santiago did for Minnesota. But he came out and pitched three more good innings. That was really surprising to me. And it was nice to see because, I mean, I know he's had so many question marks around him this year, but and the delays weren't short. You know, there was I think it was two hours total of rain delays, and like you said, you don't see that often. So. When he came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be real bad. But it ended up being really good. And it was it was nice to see, just like I said, he's had so many question marks around him. And just to kind of put that all to rest is is nice to see, especially now with, like, David Price, question marks, Rodriguez, question marks. So it's it's nice to have an extra consistent pitcher in our rotation. Yeah, when he came out, I was shocked. Like, and I, I didn't watch this whole game, I mind you, but, like, uh, you know, you don't expect it in that situation because there's so much time and when you have rain delays like that, it's just it's hard to warm up, do that, do this, and do that, and try to stay ready to pitch in a major league atmosphere. And of all people, for him to do it, I, I was shocked, but obviously happily shocked because they it helped. It was all basically part of one of everything that went really well for this team this week that made them do so well. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. So that brings us into uh, Wednesday's game. The only loss of the entire week uh, it was Rick Porcello special. And, guys, I hate to continue to be a broken record, but, you know, Porcello wasn't great. He had four runs in six innings. But, once again, 
the offense didn't score the entire time he was in the game for what the seventh time this season. Like, I don't care how bad he pitches. If you never score a run, what are you supposed to do? He could pitch a complete game and not have any run support, and he would still lose. So it doesn't matter how he pitches. If he's not getting the run support, he's not. It's going to look bad, and that's why his record is so terrible this year. If say he won those seven games that he got the run support, that's. 11 and 2 right there like that flips his record drastically so it's I mean he's I understand why people are on his back this season he's got a lot of pressure on him from the Cy Young last year or whatever but I mean you can't win games if your team doesn't score no you can't that's kind of important the whole offense running across the plate thing but um yeah no I agree with Lauren I I had something to say and I didn't (laughs) you can crap on all you want but it's like they just haven't scored, and that's not really his fault. I mean, this game is pretty much Max Kepler. I gave him a 2 nothing lead with a single, and then he also had a home run in the sixth inning to make it 4 to nothing, and then it was a 4-1 final. So really not much to say from this game. Just, you know, the Sox didn't score off Adalberto Mejia. And, uh... Adalberto. Adal, Adalberto. It's not Alberto. It's Adalberto. I said Adalberto just very quickly. I thought... Sound like it sound like Alberta to me. Well, Lauren would know. She she recapped um or did pregame notes the night before, so she had to say Adelbert though. It was pretty sad. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> tough name. How do you say that name? I'm like I assume how it's spelled. I uh, Adelberta. I've never I heard like, that spelled it out for you like by syllables and then the last name too. <laughs> Mahia. Mahia. In- Anyway, so that was that game. Only lost of the week, so we'll jump right back to the next win. Thursday, six to three victory. Over the Twins, David Price pitched this game, and I want to crap on him, but he did pitch well. He mm-hmm. started off bad. He gave up a run in the first inning and gave up a two-run double in the fourth to Jorge Polanco, and darn, that was close to a home run. It was literally like an inch away from being a three-run homer, so he got lucky there. Should have been a home run, but to his credit, he settled down. The offense got going. Mookie Betts had a home run, one of many this week. Uh, solo home run, and then the Sox scored three runs in the fifth inning to take a 4-3 lead. Hanley hit a blast to make it 5-3, to three, and then Moreira got a double to make it 6-3. to three. So after that, Price didn't go up any more runs. He lasted seven innings, which was very nice. Six hits, three runs. And obviously what, I'm, what I've been harping on the whole year is walks, and he didn't, he didn't have any walks in this game. So that was the biggest thing for me in this game was the no walks. This was probably one of the better starts for David Price, if not the one, if not the best start, in my opinion, honestly, because of the walks. You're right, Jess. You know, walks are hard to, to really come back from. You see Henry Owens get demoted because of walks. He just can't find the play, you know, and David Price has had that issue. In this game, he was, he was under control. Yeah, he gave up three runs. Red Sox scored for him, which was nice. Um, got through seven innings and pitched consistently, and the walks are huge for me as well. Um, this guy, if he, I've been saying it. If he can get the control, if he can find the start to pinpoint the corners like he used to before he got hurt, he'll be fine. But that's the part of the, his kind of mantra that he's been missing so far, and rightfully so. We've been criticizing for it. Yeah, but if he can, he can, can control his pitches all he wants. But if he can't control his attitude off the field, like I don't care what he does. On oh, I don't care if he has attitude. Attitude's great if you can pitch well. Attitude's phenomenal. Yeah, if you yell and scream the at the camera, oh, I don't care. No, but it's, it's his mentality towards everything else. Like, I want him to pitch well, but at this point, it's just like, who, which media member is he going to flip out on this week? It's okay. That's okay it's though, because it's, I know Lauren, because like, well, you know that it, it's really, it, it's really this case, Lauren. He's a good teammate. We know that. He, there's a lot of reports out there. He's great for a clubhouse. He's great for a teammate. 
If you can be a good teammate and pitch well, say whatever the crap you want to but any is he media member. Is he being yeah, a good I teammate? Yeah, I think he's not a good teammate. Media like that? Yeah, eh. that's what I asked. That's what I asked Ben and Chris. Like, is this actually a good teammate who's distracting everybody and being a being a you know what to everybody? I mean, I don't think that's a good teammate. Yeah, would I... he be doing this if David Ortiz was around? Absolutely not. Would, no. We don't have the balls to do it. Nope. The guy has no balls. <laughs> he probably listens to our show because he listens to everything everybody says. David Price is probably listening right. Well, not right now because we're recording. Say but, we're not. This isn't live. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes out, he probably listens. He like types his name like David Price. Actually, you know what? You know what? Jesse probably is hacking into my computer right now to listen because that's how concerned he is about what we say. Yes. He is good teammate, my butt. He's probably in the clubhouse listening to our show. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. All right, let's move to Friday. Another win. 7-4 to four over the Blue Jays. 11 innings it took to get this one. Um, this game is insane. Honestly, I mean, jeez. Before we even talk about the game, the Red Sox had 14 walks in this game. They took 14 walks, 7 of those from Marco Estrada, 3 from Aaron Loop, and an inning and a third. They had 14 walks, and they scored 4 runs in the first 10 innings. They left 17 men on base in the game. Before we even like talk about the game, like I just it's hard for me to fathom leaving that many guys on base because it's like Didn't Mitch Moreland leave ten on by himself? I think so, yeah. He's yeah. loaded three times, yeah. I just gotta try hard to leave that many guys on base. Yeah, but but I look at the bright side of that and I usually don't, which is crazy, but you know, drawing walks is something that, you know, last year when they were successful they were getting men on base and then hitting the ball out of the park to drive those runners in. You know, and I don't have stats in front of me to prove this, but you know, I feel like last year when they were drawing more walks, that was when they were successful because they were being patient at the plate, getting those starters out of those games early. And that you've kind of seen that this year when they've been successful, they're drawing more walks and getting more men on base. That's a good staple of it. Yeah, you might have left runners on a crap ton of runners on base that game, but it's at least a good sign for me as an offense that they're starting to draw more walks like that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not a bad thing. It's just I just couldn't believe they left that many guys <laughs> on base. Yeah, and the fact they still won. With leaving all those guys on base. Pretty wild. Yeah, imagine if they only left like uh, half those guys on base. <laughs> I know. They could have scored 20 runs in this game. But, honestly, it was a good game. Um, Doug Fister started. He lasted five innings, gave up four hits, three runs, and had five strikeouts. But, honestly, he pitched well because he gave up a three-run homer to Justin Smoke in the first inning. And it was 3 nothing, just like that. And he didn't give up any runs the whole rest of the game. So that was encouraging for me. Uh, and the Sox obviously crawled back, got back into it. Uh, Pedroia got a two-RBI double to get within one run, and then Sox got two more runs in the sixth to take a 4-3 lead. Before Troy Tulowitzki hit a uh, solo home run in the sixth, tied it at four, and then nobody scored until the 11th, but then Xander Bogarts came in off the bench as a uh, pinch hitter, and he got an RBI single. Devin Marrero had a two-RBI single afterwards to make it 7-4, to four. so I don't know about you guys, but I- I'm enjoying Doug Fister so far. Well, me too, because I think this is all you really need from him. You know, like, obviously, Doug mm-hmm. Fister's been decent, but, you know, if you can get him to go five, six innings, only to give a couple runs here, and like you said, it was really just one bad pitch. And then other than that, this game specifically, he was pretty consistent. So I love the signing, and we talked about it a little bit last week. I think that overall, so far, he's been what you need him to be. I'm all for it. Yeah, I love it. If he can do this every start, I'm totally okay with it. Just keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was another win. Four out of the last five brought us into Saturday and make it five out of the last six. 
Chris Sale pitches again. Chris Sale dominates again. 7-1 to one, Red Sox win. Sale went seven innings, four hits, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts on Canada Day. He destroyed it. He didn't care about Canada Day. He didn't care about anything. And, Screw you, Canada Day. <laughs> yeah, he didn't give a crap. And the Blue Jays didn't even score the run until the ninth inning um, on a solo home run by Steve Pierce. Uh, to get there, the Sox got up early and often uh, with two runs in the first on a Jackie Bradley Jr. two-RBI double, and then 4 nothing in the second inning on a Dustin Boudreau two-RBI double. That was 4 nothing, and then 5 nothing on a Bogart sack fly, and then Bogart's got a two-RBI single to make it 7 nothing in the ninth inning. So, I mean, really good offense again, seven runs on 12 hits. But honestly, you only need, you only need one run in this game, two if you want, if you don't go have a home run in the last inning. But Chris Sale was just absolutely nasty. Good as always. I know. What else can we say about him? My God. We thought he pitched well in the first game. This was even better. <laughs> Crazy. He's now 11-3 and with a 261 ERA. Just keeps climbing up those ranks. Still first in the league by a large margin in strikeouts. 35 strikeouts. Chris Archer is number two. And he's 35 strikeouts behind uh, Sale. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Unbelievable. That is insane. Yeah, that's so not even close. It's great. So that was that game, and it brings us into Sunday, and this was obviously the best game of the week because how fun was this? Oh, my God, to recap this game. This was the best game to recap. This was just fantastic. Where do we start? 15-1 to win. Mookie Betts had two homers, eight RBI, three runs, two homers, stolen base. What didn't he do? If that wasn't enough for you, Hanley Ramirez had three hits. Sue Lynn had three hits. Devin Marrero had three hits. Jackie Bradley Jr. had three hits. Dustin Pedroia was on base four times. Eight runs, seventh inning. The Red Sox sent 13 men to the plate and scored eight runs on nine hits. Yes, I know. I, you can tell I recapped this game. I'm aware of that. And Drew Pomerantz, quietly, gave up one run in six innings because the offense took care of it. And then Fernando Abad came in, and he pitched three hitless innings just out of nowhere. It was awesome. This game was just great yeah i feel like fernando abad's been pretty good times he actually got into the games this year um but but that being said the offense in this game yeah he was the pitching was great he was good through six innings don't really care because the way the offense played this game this is what the red sox had been lacking for a little while it's the consistency on offense and this week guys was so consistent for them in the sense of really just giving their pitchers run support not making them stress out because last year we always talked about it. It was, you know, the pitchers can relax a little bit because they have their run support. This year, at the beginning of the year, they had to tense up a little bit. You know, guys were getting hurt. Offense wasn't barely figuring it out yet without Ortiz. What do we do? Crap, it's all on us. And then they go out and lay an egg. Now it's, okay, they can figure it out. I trust my offense to get me a couple runs. Let's just go out there and pitch. Rick Porcello um, hasn't been pitching that well, but, you know, he's been getting better. And like you said with Fister. Fister had one bad pitch, and then all of a sudden, he's fine again because he, he trusted the offense. And same with this game. You know, Pomeranz trusted his offense, and they went out and delivered. Yep, Pomeranz is 8-4 and four with a 364 IRA. I mean, really, really quietly. For some reason, everybody hates him. I sure don't. I haven't ever, but he's pitched really well. Yeah, he's done, he's done great this season. I think he's extremely underrated. I don't know if that just comes with him or if it's just because I feel like something else happens, you know, 15 runs or something else, like, bigger than how he pitches. But and he's been he's been great. I I can't complain about him this season. No. 
Big shout-out to Glenn Sparkman in this game. He went a third in an inning with seven hits and seven runs. That's how you get it done. 63 ERA. That's easy. Beautiful. Good stuff. <laughs> a couple more things on Mookie Betts. Uh, it was the most RBI for a leadoff guy for the Red Sox uh, in their history, and tied for the most RBI as a leadoff hitter, period, in the majors in history. And he's the second Red Sox player ever to have two eight-plus RBI games. Because remember, he had eight RBI last year against the Orioles as well in his three-home run game. Uh, Nomar is the only other guy who had eight RBI in one game and a ten in another. So, joining some pretty good company there. Just you know, just an average game for Mookie this this day. Mookie bets, man. It was all over the place in this game. It's just it's one of those things where. He, he's starting to really retake that form. He's now starting in the All-Star game. I believe it, I saw that earlier for Mike Trout, um, who was hurt. So Mookie's back in the centerfold of this league again, and it's going to keep happening, especially with this team winning so much again and taking control, hopefully, anyway, taking control of this division with all these other teams fluctuating. The Yankees kind of crap in the bed right now, halfway through the year. Red Sox hopefully taking a stranglehold of this division coming into the All-Star break, with Mookie Betts leading the way, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of picking up where he left off last season at this time. So it's just great. He's like kind of almost identical where he was last year. He went from 43 RBI to 51 in one game. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is pretty that's awesome. How you, that's how you do it. So obviously, naturally, we got to give our MVP of the week to Mookie Betts. ton of great performances this week from everybody, but... Betts was 14 for 29 with three homers, 11 RBI, 10 runs, and eight walks. That's about as good as it gets. And honestly, Devin Marrero, any other week would have gotten MVP because he himself had seven RBI. He had three two-plus hit games, and he had uh, five runs in the last two games of the series. So really good week for Marrero. He raised the average about 60 points, but obviously we got to give it to Betts because those those numbers are just off the charts. Marrero can have an honorable mention, but if Mookie Betts this week is just single, almost single-handedly the reason why they went, these numbers are, are, are single-handedly why they are so good this week. And look, a six-in-one week, you know, this this is it. This is the, this is the week I think you know that is showing what this team can be. And I think they're starting to figure it out. Pitching is getting more consistent. I'm intrigued to see what they do after the All-Star break, leading into the trade deadline, because after the All-Star break in, in like a week here. You know, that's when it's really going to tell us what this team needs. It's, okay, where are they? Are they, are they leading division by a game? Are they losing the division again? Where are these holes? The two weeks after the All-Star break, it's really going to tell us a lot. And Mookie Betts is trying to say strong right now that this team's in a good spot. Hey, if he can keep doing eight RBIs every other game and just kind of carry this team, I'll be okay with it. But it it's so true. I mean, I want them to go out on a high note before the All-Star break and then the only thing that worries me is the guys who are hitting so so well and pitching so well. Just that break in between, I'm like, no, that gives them time to like rest and cool down. And I don't want them to hit some all star slump. I don't think they will. They're just so good right now. But I'm definitely very intrigued for the second half of the season. Yeah, it always concerns you having a little break going in the all star because when you're playing well. I mean, with the win tonight, we'll talk about this game next week since it's on Monday. But another another win uh, over the Rangers tonight. Now this team's won five in a row. They're 48-35. and 35. Now three games ahead in the division. It's happening real fast, and it really is a shame the All-Star break's coming because this is... <laughs> yeah, wrong time. <laughs> if, you, if, you get, if you get up like five or six games, like, geez, you just want to keep playing. Just keep, keep running it up and take over and run away with it. 
All right, there's the there's the uh, recap for the week. A lot of good stuff that went on this week. Obviously, um, had Ben and Chris on earlier, so that took up a lot of time. So let's just go right to the recap before we get out of here for the week, um, and then we'll shoot here. Let's do the uh, predictions. Uh, let's do those. Let's, let's see what we had. Now, a lot of us, um, are, actually all of us, are being super positive after the week uh, that was for the Red Sox. So, Jess, I'll start with you. Uh, we have three at Texas and three at Tampa Bay. Oh, four at Tampa Bay, excuse me, uh, this week. So, all on the road, road trip coming up for the Sox. Um, what do you got happening down there in Texas? Yeah, you want to be concerned because of all the road games, but this team's playing well, period, right now. And, you know, it's hard to have two really good weeks in a row, but if it's going to happen. It's probably right now, so I'm going to sweep of the Rangers. They're pretty average right now. They're 40 and 42. Not a whole lot of confidence in them, so I feel good about a sweep in this, even though it's hard to win that many games in a row. But I'm feeling good. Yeah, Jess, I'm right there with you, and I know it's difficult to play in Texas sometimes, but I'm going sweeping the Rangers. I just They're doing so well right now. Everything just seems to be clicking, and I don't see them losing at least one to a mediocre team right now. I, I'm... I almost did sweep two. I really did. Um, but I have them winning two out of three in Texas just because, you know, it is tough to play down there. It's a bigger ballpark. The heat this time of year is not fun by any means. Um, so I, I just think all that kind of factors in with the fact is, you know, there are blips here and there uh, in successful teams' runs like this. So I have them winning two out of three against Texas. And then Tampa Bay, they're going to sweep them. Uh, so for six for me, for me, it's another six in one week. Tampa Bay, they're, they're playing better. You know, they're climbing up our division and just more. I don't even know if it's more of them climbing up or Baltimore climbing down in fear. I don't know what it is, but um, I think you're going to have four at Tropicana. You don't have to worry about sweep through there. Uh, six and one week for me. Jeff's, um, what's Tampa Bay looking like for this team? Yeah, I like three out of four. You know, they're playing better. They're over 500 at this point. Um, and if you sweep Texas and you've won seven games in a row, I don't see winning 11 games in a row to end the first half of the season. That would be just absolutely amazing. But so would 6-1. and one. So I'm not going crazy here. 6-1 and one, all on the road is an incredible week again. And if they do that two weeks in a row, I will certainly take every single one of those. Lauren's going crazy I'm, this week, though. I'm saying I'm going Cheers. crazy. I'll go crazy <laughs> for you guys this week. They are taking all four from Tampa, and they're going 7-0 and this week to, to a nice little undefeated week right before the All-Star break. It's... Eleven and zero. Oh if they go eleven, if they go eleven and zero, like in their last eleven, going into the All Star break, Jess's theory is right. Don't stop playing. Can we just put postpone the All Star break? Can we just slide it back right. a few yeah, weeks because they're playing. We're starting the be, World Series now. Yeah, seriously. Let's just okay. That's it. Who's in the top? Okay, let's just start the playoffs. Great. Um, if that happens, that'd be phenomenal. Obviously, a lot of optimism floating around the show right now. Uh, six and one for me and Jess. Uh, full sweep of the week for Lauren. We'll see how that pays off. She is. Uh, want to know though? They did win tonight. Um, so we're all right there so far. Um, that being said, we're out of time for the week. Big shout again to Ben Poplin and Chris Hogan of 27 Outs Baseball for joining us. Uh, keep an eye on their network. They're doing great things in the minor league world. We're doing great things in the major league and Red Sox world. So together, you get a little bit of everything. And you, if you really care about Tim Tebow that much, you can go to them too because they cover Tim Tebow. So uh, that being said, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. CLNS Media on Twitter. CLNS Media on Facebook, as well as our uh, CLNS app on the iOS store, Android store. You find us there. It's all the podcasts on the network, whether it be baseball, basketball, everything's there. It's all covered for you. Uh, and, of course, we'll be here next week talking, hopefully, hopefully a 7-0 week, if Lauren's right uh, on that part. That would be fantastic. But uh, that being said, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, big one more shout-out to 27 Up Baseball for those two guys joining us. 
We'll be back next week, same time, same place, Red Sox beat, CLNS Media. Until then, go Sox.